if you want to be honest, I feel like that concert, I willingly stepped into hell. And I feel like God gave me, God took off the scales of my eyes and showed me that this is what hell could be like if I don't stop, if I don't turn around and if I don't change my life. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed podcast and YouTube channel. I'm your host, Michaela Nikolenko, and I started this show after finally finding my home in Christ. I grew up in a home with lots of abuse and addiction where Christianity became something that repelled me. I spent my early adulthood seeking God in other religions, tarot cards, psychedelics, and even myself. I didn't realize how much hell I had pulled up into my life until I came face to face with the dark side of the spirit world and Jesus fought hard to save me. Now I live to serve his will and host a platform where others can share their story too. If you're looking for a show that talks about real things and provides encouragement for those who have been to the dark side and back, this is the show for you. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share this show with anyone that you feel might be encouraged by it too. Quick disclaimer, what we can agree on here is that we love Jesus and he is our Lord and Savior. I don't filter what my guests say, so there will most likely be something along the way that you don't agree with, and that's okay. I highly recommend spending time researching and praying about anything that gets said that might trouble you. With all that said, thank you so much for joining me, and welcome to the Raised and Redeemed family. Hey everybody, let me just say right now you are not going to want to miss the end of this episode. Today, we're speaking with a sister in Christ named KC, and today actually marks her one-year anniversary of walking with the Lord and her first time sharing her testimony. KC was living the fast life, full of rebellion, and wanting nothing to do with the God that her family worshipped. She ended up marrying her drug dealer, fell deep into the new age, and then found herself working as a stripper after that relationship came crumbling to an end. Just when she thought her newly manifested life was all coming together, the Lord took the scales off her eyes in the middle of a J. Cole concert, and she saw the very real spiritual world warring around her. Everyone thought she was crazy, but for those of us who have been raised and redeemed, we believe very well she looked the devil in his face that night, and the Lord fought to save her. Without further ado... Let's get on to the show. Okay. Good afternoon, Casey. Thank you so much for being on Raised and Redeemed today. Thank you for having me. It's definitely um, an honor, especially as somebody who tunes into your podcast. Um, I'm super grateful to be able to share my testimony. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So this is your first time sharing your testimony. So I want to thank you too for just trusting me and um, trusting the Raised and Redeemed podcast. Uh, it's definitely a safe place and we share lots of things here. So um, you're not alone. And I already know that I relate to a lot of your story and I know that our listeners do too. Um, just like a brief overview of some of the things that you have told me about for the listeners to know that we are going to go into today is um, that you were saved um, from a, a life of just living in the world before uh, you were working in the club. Uh, dependent on drugs and deep in the new age until you had this radical encounter with Jesus um, that would change everything. So I'm excited to just hear a little bit more about that today. All righty. Well, before I jump into that, um, I'm going to just give you a quick little brief background um, about 
my life and how I got there. Um, I actually grew up in a Baptist church. I was born and raised. Um, so I knew of God from an early age and um, I knew of religion very well. Um, as a kid, I loved going to VBS and um, I was super involved in church, youth, and I even went on retreats. But um, my home life wasn't really reflective of that. I had a pretty abusive father and me being the youngest out of three girls, it was a lot of that stuff would be hidden. But after a certain age, like things just couldn't be hidden anymore. Um, my dad was abusive verbally, mentally, emotionally, and physically, um, mostly to my mom and older sisters. And I had a lot of trauma growing up. Mm-hmm. But around the age of 12, one day, my dad's anger and outburst was just too much. And um, I remember always being sad and confused. And um, I had a tainted version of what love really was. But yeah, so around the age of 12, my dad one day just went too far and left the house. And after that, um, everything kind of shifted. Um, I remember that my mom just stopped going to church. And it was just my mom and my older sisters. And things just changed. I felt very distant with God as well. And it was it was pretty traumatic. And I was very confused, um, very depressed. And, you know, my relationship with God just kind of diminished. Um, yeah. So around that time is when I'd enter high school or actually middle school. So around uh, eighth grade, I got my very first boyfriend and I was so in love with him. He was my first love and my first everything. But unfortunately, I had such a a tainted view of love that I just didn't know how to properly love someone. And I always had this fear inside of me that I would be my father. I would be angry. And um, I remember my mom told me that I was so much like my dad and that like scarred me. So I never wanted to be like him. I ended up dating this guy for years, almost like five years off and on. And um, he was with me during a very vulnerable time. And so I became like very like possessive over him. And I just, I wanted this relationship to work so much. And I thought that I was going to marry him. And um, it's just, I just became depressed when things wouldn't work out. And I would notice that a lot of my dependency would be on him. Yeah. And we ended up not working out and I was heartbroken. And at this point I'm in like high school, my sisters had moved out and my mom had a boyfriend and she had been living with him. So I just felt out of place. So it was me, my mom and my now stepdad living all together. And I was sad and depressed and I would just overwork myself. I'd always be busy in school. I was a great student. Um, I played sports. I was super involved. And basically, anytime I had the opportunity to be busy, I would be busy because it would keep me out of my head and out of being depressed. 
Yeah. Well, during this time, I ended up getting a group of friends. And I never really had much friends because it was always just me and my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And um, after we broke up, um, I started hanging out with the wrong group of people, people that he would tell me not to hang out with. And I just didn't see it at the time. And all the things that I grew up being so against, like drugs and drinking and and sex, kind of sparked my attention. And I was so easily influenced. And I remember kind of just not being myself anymore because I was so hurt and depressed. And I just wanted to fill a void. And I ended up dabbling in things that I shouldn't have and wouldn't have ever done before, but um, it kind of was like a Band-Aid on a wound. I smoked weed for the first time, and basically I felt like I was living a double life because in school I was student body president. I had like a 4.0 GPA. Uh, I played so many sports, but at home and outside of school, um, I was depressed. Um, I was suicidal. I was very short tempered. I very much reflected my father. And then once I started smoking weed, it kind of just felt like an escape route. I felt like I was wearing a mask, honestly, like I would come home and take off this mask. And basically around my senior year, so I graduated in 2020, when the whole pandemic and everything kind of came around. But um, right before my senior year, I had a really bad experience with a poor group of friends who kind of like pushed me into doing something that I wasn't ready to do. And um, it opened up some sexual trauma from my childhood Mm -hmm. um, about being like molested in a sense. And after that, that was kind of like the tip of the iceberg. Um, I remember just being depressed and not being happy with who I was. So come my senior year, all these things that I had worked so hard for, I just wasn't giving that same kind of energy in school anymore. Um, I remember I was like smoking before I would come to school. I'd leave early to smoke and I was just going downhill. And as weird as it sounds because of the pandemic, it kind of like saved me grade wise. So my senior year got cut short and um, my mom and stepdad ended up separating. So me and her moved into this one bedroom apartment and it was always just me and her, but she would work so hard to keep the bills afloat that I would take advantage of that and find ways to do things I shouldn't be doing. During that time, uh, I got introduced to new age. I was spending a lot of time at home and I was scrolling on TikTok and I found about new age and tarot and spirituality and something like sparked in me. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, like, what if this is the truth? Like, what if everything that I've been told was a lie? And um, I kind of like resonated a lot with astrology. I was finding a sense and I was like, oh, well, this is why all this has happened to me because my birth chart says this and this is why we're not compatible. And I even learned about manifestation and I like tried to manifest my first love back. I was like, he's going to come back to me. Uh, We're going to make things work. Um, And 
we he didn't. So I kind of like put it on a back burner and um, got introduced to a drug dealer from a former friend. He is a quadriplegic and he had a rough childhood, but he would give me great deals on weed and I would spend time with him and I would go and smoke at his house. And um, I remember like stepping in. This was like nothing that I was ever exposed to. It was like a full blown trap house. And I was like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) what? Well, I would spend a lot of time with him and we ended up kind of developing a friendship outside of just smoking weed. I got a friendship with him and I got to learn about him. And my mom found out that I was smoking and she would tell me not to hang out with him. And basically everything that was told to me, I would do the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Somebody told me no, I would say yes. Yeah. Um, Out of nowhere, my first love came back into my life. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe manifestation is true. It just took some time. Mm -hmm. And I decided to cut off my friendship with the drug dealer. And I spent some time back with my first love, but I was just not myself anymore. I had changed. I graduated from high school and I was in college now and everything was online. And I was at my first love's house and I asked to borrow his computer to be online for my class. And I decided to snoop around Mm -hmm. and I found something that kind of hurt my feelings, but I didn't ask of any context. Um, I just assumed the worst and I ran with it. And that same day, my ex-drug dealer kept calling me and I hadn't talked to him in weeks. So I wouldn't answer because I was going through a lot emotionally. And I finally decided to pick up the phone. And he told me that his 13-year-old brother had just got shot in the head right in front of his face. And I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? So I hung up. And I was mad um, at my first love. And I told him that basically I gave him one last opportunity and it didn't work and I'm out. So I immediately went to my drug dealer's house and it was like an active crime scene. And I was so confused. And I decided that that day that, well, maybe this is the universe telling me that I need to pursue this relationship with my drug dealer because he needs me more at this Mm. time. And my first love is not valuing me. I was definitely not thinking right. Um, (laughs) I kind of ghosted my first love and I never gave him any kind of context. And I started spending a lot of time with my plug. And within two months, we started dating because he was a quadriplegic due to gun violence. I started taking care of him and bathing him and being his caregiver and getting high at the same time. And during this time of like uncertainty in the pandemic, it all just felt like a blur. And um, I ended up not listening to all the advice around me. People would tell me not to talk to him, to stay away. And I just felt it as people were trying to keep me in a box. Yeah. Not even two months into dating him, I ended up getting in some kind of legal trouble. I was freshly turned 18 and I was just telling my mom like, oh, I can do whatever I want. And she and my family just didn't even recognize the person I was before. Um, Like I said, I was 
a different person in school and academically. And within a few months, I just changed completely. I even remember during this time that I denied God, <laughs> somebody that I used to know so well. Um, I was at my plug's house and his mom asked me out of nowhere if I believed in God. And I remember just feeling like a weird presence. And I was like, freshly into this new age and all this tarot and finding purpose in these things that I told her that I believe in a God, but not the, not the God that I grew up believing in, in a tainted version. And after that, I felt like weird, like a conviction in my heart, but I didn't understand it. Mm. So I never thought of it much, but to this day, like I look back and it still hurts. It still hurts my heart. That you denied him. Yeah. I was like, that is so crazy. Um, well, it's a well, testimony now, you know, it is, it is. Um, what was, was the legal trouble that you got in drug related because of this boyfriend? Yeah, it was drug related. Um, I ended up getting it dropped because, um, I got an expungement and it really had nothing to do with me. I was just associated with the wrong people at the wrong time. But after we got in trouble, um, like I said, I wasn't thinking. So I asked him, I was like, well, what if we get married and um, try to like approach this a different way? Like if we get married, you won't testify against me and like all these things. Um, So two days after our legal trouble, I got married to my drug dealer. And this all happened within like two months of knowing him. And my mom was just like, what is going on? My family was so disappointed in me. Um, My father even spoke to me and told me that um, he didn't want anything to do with me because I'm not the girl that I used to be. Mm -hmm. And um, they all blamed it on me on weed and stuff. And I was like, Oh, it's not that. But, um, the day that my mom found out that I got married, I thought that I was going to be able to get married and still live at my mom's house and, you know, just fix this hiccup and then go on with my life. But she told me if I want to act like an adult, then I need to leave the house. Mm. And I got kicked out. And so basically I had to move in with my drug dealer that I had not known for a long time into a completely (laughs) different environment. Um, my family wasn't there, so I was even more depressed. And I knew that by marrying him, my options with my first love were completely out of the picture. Yeah. So I just felt isolated. And his family did not like me at all. Um, and they didn't ever help me when it came to taking care of him. And um, it finally got to a point where I realized, like, this is what my life is going to be mm-hmm. like. I have to, I have to fix it. I have to change it. Like I used to be a great person, but I let depression just get me down into a wormhole and I've made so many poor choices. Hey, you guys, if you're in a relationship and trying to figure out if he's the one, or maybe you're recently single and taking a step back to figure out how to best go about finding the one, I have the ebook for you. Head over to the link in my bio or in the comment section from wherever you're listening to find my latest ebook, How to Know If He's the One. In this ebook, I share the worst of my relational mistakes and how Jesus finally showed me there was a better way. Gradually, he began to mend my heart, 
And I know he will do the same for you too. We decided to move out of his trap house into his grandmother's house. And I asked him if he would stop um, selling weed. And um, he did for a small amount of time. But then when I realized we didn't have money, um, I needed him to do it. And because our marriage wasn't based off love or, or God, it was so terrible. Like I tried so hard and things never really seemed to work out. Um, he also had a kid at 14. So, um, I got harassed by his child's mother for like a very long time. She would key my car and try to jump me. My life was like a flip of the switch, just gone crazy. And all of my friends stopped being my friends. And it was crazy because they always encouraged me to pursue a relationship with him. And then once I fell down, all my friends weren't there to pick me up. So I just felt alone. I got more into new age and spirituality at that point. I started playing around with tarot cards and I'd even get readings done. And um, during this time, I just felt burnt out because I was still going to school and I was taking care of him full time and I wouldn't receive any help from his family. And it no longer felt, it never felt like a relationship to me. It just felt like, well, this is the hole I dug myself in. Yeah. We didn't even stay married for an entire year because things just got out of control very quickly and around nine months 10 months of us being together we got into this really bad argument being around him I was exposed to things that like I wasn't exposed to ever growing up Um, I was never around guns never around drugs never around violence and I remember we got in this really bad argument and he said some very mean things to me and out of anger, like pulled out a weapon. And I was like, whoa, like, where did you get this from? So I remember um, I was driving and he had this in the car and I was like, why do you have this? Like, you're literally in a wheelchair because you got shot and your brother died not even a year ago. Why is there a gun in my car? So I remember I like parked the car and I threw the gun out and I told him that somebody needs to pick him up and that I don't want to be in a relationship with him anymore. Wow. And I called my mom and I went home. And when he got home, I told him he needed to pack his things and that I refused to help him. And that if he wanted help, I'll call my mom and she can help him. But my mom was kind of like the mediator and she was trying to calm things down. Before my mom got there, we got in an argument and he spit on my face and he brought up some childhood trauma and he told me to like, he basically told me to hit him. He was like, hit me the way that your dad hit you. And I, everything in me, like my blood started boiling. Like I was about to hit him. Yeah. And then the second he said that it was like, this all happened in like a matter of seconds. I looked at him and I just saw like darkness and I felt like I was looking in a mirror. Um, and I felt that if I did what he told me to do, that I'm going to be the person I'm running away from, which was my dad. Mm. And I was like, and I'm going to be everything that I don't want to be. So I remembered, I just got like this breeze of like calmness. And I was like, 
I was like, no, I was like, I'm not going to hit you. I wiped the spit off my face. And I was like, but you're leaving tonight. My mom came and we ended up, he ended up leaving that night. I remember like being so sad. And the next day I called a friend, um, the friend that actually introduced me to him. And I explained everything that happened. And I told her that I was like, I know that we just got in this big, bad argument, but like, this is, even if I didn't marry him out of love, like this is the person I married. Um, I was like, I've already like ruined my life. Like I have to, we have to keep working this out. And I called her searching for advice. And instead she laughed and she was like, do not take him back. She's like, he's been cheating on you for six months with a stripper. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, I've been taking care of him. I've been cleaning him. Like he was a hundred almost 100% dependent on me. And I was like, what do you mean? And she gave me all the information. And then I realized we just got this big argument and I was willing to forgive him, but I wasn't willing to forgive him cheating on me because even if our marriage was far from what a good marriage would consist of, I never cheated. And I thought this was what, I just thought this was what my life would be like forever. So I told him that we're never getting back together. And uh, I told my mom and I was heartbroken. I ended up moving back in with my mom. And like I said, we didn't even get to a year of us being together before all this happened. And I just found myself back into a deep, dark hole. And the crazy thing is I got even more into the new age Mm -hmm. and more into being dependent on drugs more than I had ever been. Isn't looking back to when we weren't in Christ, just all the chaos, you know, like at that time you think maybe this is like normal or like supposed to be normal stuff. But then you tell your story later on when you are in Christ and you're like, holy crap, that's a lot of chaos that like, yes, doesn't happen when you're in Christ and following Christ and living the way that he tells you to live. Like you don't experience all that kind of stuff, because I have so much of that too. And I'm like, yeah, it was just utter destruction before I knew Jesus. It was, it's a night and day difference. Like it's, I look back and I'm just like, I don't know who that girl was. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I moved back into my mom's house and things were different. Like it was, it was just different. Um, And I cut off all communication with him and I was just like, wow, like before I met him, I was a different person. Like I, I actually had potential. Like I had scholarships for college. Um, I used to do pageants. Like I was a a good person on the outside, but my life within a, a matter of time just, just went bad. And I just felt like everyone in my small town looked at me like that failure. Like she had so much potential, but she chose drugs. And I was just, I just felt like the joke of the town. And I took it, I took it really bad, especially after like getting cheated on. And, you know, I put him first, I put all his needs first. um, And I, I like lost a lot of myself. So I was trying to find myself. I got married at 18. And I came back and moved in when I was 18. So or no 19. So I want to say really quick too, that's why it's so important to, to going back to like God's order, you know, mm-hmm. you know, having a man that follows Christ too, 
Otherwise, it's like you just don't have this security of of who they're following, what they're doing, who has the throne in their hearts. Um, like I dated around a lot before I met my husband. And like now it's like I have this peace. Like he would never hurt me. He would never, he would never cheat on me. Like he would never do these things that other men did to me because I know who's on the throne in his heart. Um, yeah. That's why that's so important. Yeah, I, the the verse um, in the Bible where it says like to be equally yoked just it has a whole different significance for me now because I know what it's like to not be equally yoked and to not have God as a foundation um, in a, anything that I was doing. We're at the point now where you're 19, you're fresh out of this marriage that wasn't it just wasn't a godly relationship. It's it's good you got out of that. Um, you're back at your mom's and deep in the new age. So what happens next? So at this time, during this time, like my mom had actually gotten back with my stepdad and they had fixed things. And my mom actually started going back to church. And while living with my mom, like I was just so depressed. Um, And she would always try to invite me to church and I would say no. And my mom tried a different way of approaching me because as a kid, my parents were so strict on me. Um, And so she kind of just like gave me a different way. And she was like, well, she used to not let me smoke. She was so strict on me, but it kind of, like I said before, somebody told me no, I would say yes. So she kind of just said, all right, you do what you want to do. You want to go smoke? Fine. So I, she, she just told me I couldn't do it in her house. So I would smoke in the car and I'd play around with tarot. I remember I even got like, I had like an altar, but I didn't even know like that it was an altar. Yeah. Like I was, I was into new age, but honestly, like, I just don't think that I knew exactly what I was playing around with. Yes. Like I would tell her like, mom, like I can speak to God through these cards. Like, it's not like that. I'm, uh, she would tell me my parents are Hispanic. So she would always be like, that's of the devil. And I was like, yeah. no, I was like, no, I was like, that is crazy. Well, I got really into this, this stuff and I would like display the things in my room and I, she would come in my room and she would tell me like, I don't like you playing with those things. And I would tell her, I was like, you got it all wrong. I was like, I was, I was like, I'm going through a hard time and this is helping me. And like, I'd even talk to her about it, try to get her to change her mind. And she would just be firm on the, why don't you come to church with me? Good for her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I, like I said, I, my childhood was nothing like those, those crazy spots in my life. Um, actually my grandmother was, I would call her my spiritual like mentor because she always talked about God to me and always showed me God's love. Mm. And my mom does a great job of doing that too. So I moved back in with my mom around November. The breakup happened in September. I moved back in in November and in December, my mom went to go visit my grandma in Costa Rica. I had lost my job because I was taking care of, um, that was my job. I was his caregiver. So my main source of income was gone and I was trying to look for a job. I had a little part-time job at a gym and 
it was nothing compared to what I was making before as a caregiver, but I was so resented that I didn't want to go back into that field and take care of somebody mm-hmm. because the person that I took care of hurt me. Yeah. And I had this like seed in my head or like this, this thought that would always ponder. And it was just like, well, why don't you become who he left you for? Like uh, he cheated on me with a dancer and his baby mama and her actually worked at the same club together. So I always like resented her. I was like, and they also had the same name. So I was just like, Oh my gosh, like these are the kind of girls you like, like, not somebody that will take care of you and do, and cook for you, but those are the kind of girls you like. And so it was, it always was like a thought that I had, but I was scared to do so. So, um, living with my mom, I just knew things were different because I had experienced that freedom of doing whatever I wanted to. And now moving back with my mom, I had roles. All of my life choices caused a lot of stress on my mom. So she decided to go to Costa Rica to see my grandma and, you know, kind of get away of everything that I've just like thrown out on her because the last year and a half was like complete craziness. Yeah. So while she was gone, um, I decided this was like the first of January of, um, 2022. I decided that I was going to go to a club and see what it was like. And I remember walking in, uh, it's like new year's and I decided to go to one that was further away as possible. So I ended up going to this like super fancy gentleman's club and it was huge. Um, and I walked in and this is the first time I'd ever been in a club. And I was just like, I felt like a spiritual shift. And I remember going up and feeling just like so uncomfortable. And, um, I went in for like my little interview and the guy that was in charge, like, um, to go to his office, we had to pass through the VIP room. And I remember like looking at all these girls and they all kind of like, looked like snakes to me because they were all just like moving on top of these men in ways that like I had never seen. Like I'd never seen a lap dance or anything like that in my life. And I was like, I never thought of it like that. Like snakes. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is scary. So I ended up coming so late and he was like, well, um, you can't start working today, but you're beautiful. And he asked if I had experience because this was a, a gentleman's club where these are like, high-end performers and I told him no and I just felt like very little and he was like well you could still come and try it well I ended up leaving that day and I stayed around to just watch what these ladies did and like they had like a pole it was a two-story building like a pole all the way up to the top and I was like I can't do these things like I can hardly have a conversation with anybody so um yeah I ended up leaving and I came back the next day and um I came back the next day and keep in mind my mom's like in vacation so I'm like I need to find a way to make money so I can move out and do all this without her knowing Mm -hmm. so I came back yeah I came back the next day and um I didn't go on stage or anything like that I didn't even know what to wear like I just I looked like someone that was so out of place and I basically just talked to one guy the entire time 
and uh, left after that. And I had made some money, but not a lot. And I was like, okay, well, I was this whole time I was just like observing everything. And I was like, can I do this? And I realized that I really couldn't do this. And so uh, I tried coming back the next day and I tried coming back for like two weeks, but I would literally drive almost an hour away, sit in the parking lot and just not be able to go in. Yeah. So I would just turn around and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? Like, my mom's going to be here within the next week and I have bills to pay. Like, I'm running out of money. Um, and so I decided um, after a month went by, like, I decided to try another club. So this was towards the end of January, beginning of February. I went to a small club. I tried dancing there and I told myself, like, I just need a, I'm going to hit. Um, once I get my limit, I'll be able to get out. And I ended up only working there for not even two months, maybe a month and a half. And I like completely quadrupled um, what I wanted to make. Yeah. And it was just like a different experience. And my mom even had suspicions and asked me what I was doing. And I would just tell her like, oh, uh, I work at Amazon. <laughs> okay. Um, well, she ended up going inside of my room one day and she called me and she was like, I see all the things you have. You are not working at Amazon. She was like, what? She expected the worst. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, why are you? I changed the table on her. And I was like, why are you going through my room? What did she suspect when you said she suspected? She thought I was like a prostitute. And I was like, oh my gosh, no. And she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm not doing anything. I was like, I'm taking pole dancing lessons. Like, that's why I have those shoes and that clothes. Like, you are reaching. Like, you're being so dramatic. Yeah. And after that, um, I left the next week. I had made enough money that um, I decided to move to, like, the big city around me. And I was like, I'm leaving. Um, How did you plan to sustain yourself in the city? Dancing. Okay. <laughs> so, so, I left. Um, I left at the beginning of March of last year and um at the end of March um I was just I was making so much money um and I had only been working for like and not like I said a month yeah. and um I'm curious like, to ask you really quick so you mentioned the first time going in how you felt so uncomfortable and I remember that feeling too, like feeling like a little baby. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't fit in. I don't know how to do anything. Um, and I remember like the first time I did it, I was 18. And then I stopped for a while. And then I came back to it a couple years later, but this time deep in the new age. And so in the new age, it's all about the goddess and empowering the goddess within. And so at that point, I was able to rationalize it with my belief system at that time that this was a part of awakening that goddess and empowering myself and all these things. So I came in the second time feeling the same fear, the same discomfort that my spirit felt the first time. But now it's like I have this warped spiritual belief system perspective that, oh, this is good. I'm putting myself outside of my comfort zone to grow. What I didn't realize is that that like shadow work that you do in the new age where you're like doing things that feel very unnatural is like really just 
like completely ignoring the voice of God. Yeah. Cause I definitely, I feel like there's definitely signs and feelings and instincts that were telling me not to do it. But I would literally like shut that voice off and be like, no, this is the divine feminine. This is my calling. I'm. And plus like if it's crazy because the people that work in that kind of industry are spiritual, like, like, you know, I feel like everybody now as a person that believes in, in Christ and fully knows that he has saved me, like everybody wants to believe in something. Yes. I, I feel like everybody there's there's always gonna be that void, but until you find like you're gonna forever search until you find that only Jesus can like fulfill that. Yeah. So I decided to move to a, a, a big city because I was like, Oh my gosh, my mom found my secret and now I have to hide it and Get I'm telling them that her. I would Amazon. Yeah, my instinct was run. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I knew I was doing something bad because I I never felt good doing it. Um, And I wasn't even there for long, but the addiction of, wow, I can make a thousand, two thousand, so many easy money a night. It just became so addictive. And, um, it is. And, and my mom was always a person to tell me, Hey, like, let's talk about this. Don't do this. There's always a way out. Mm. She honestly, she's a good mom. (laughs) Out of all the things that I've put her through, she wouldn't really judge me, but she would approach me in a way that I just, I just knew that I was wrong and I just didn't want to face that. So I got more into new age during that time. And I was, all the girls at, at that job were witches and all these things, like everyone was talking about their altars. So I was like, okay, maybe this is, maybe this is my right kind of people. Like I was so confused, but also this is, I got even deeper into smoking weed and I um, really was just trying to find out like why I got cheated on in the first place. Like what did this kind of environment offer? Mm. Like why, why do men desire this? And then I just like the kind of men that would come in there and all that, it just changed the way that I viewed things. And um, I used to call it an ethnography. Do you know an ethnography? It's like you go go into a culture or like a group of people and you live among them so that you can study them. Like (laughs) that's what I used to consider my time in the clubs as I was like, I I don't actually like belong here. I'm just here. Like for some reason, I never saw it as my identity, but like I was like a path through and observing it and um, capitalizing on, on all of that money in the meantime. Yeah. You know what? That's a great way because I still to this day don't like to identify with it, but I know that it's part of my story. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I never felt like I belonged there. And the crazy thing is like, even, um, like my house mom and the people that work there always told me like, you're, you're not meant to be here. Like they always told me like, you're too sweet or you're too good. Like you're, this isn't your environment. And I remember like seeing ladies there that were like 60 years old and they're like, Oh, well, you know, you get in and you don't get out. And that was my fear. I was like, oh my gosh, like, like people get so addicted to the fast lives that they don't get out. I actually like met a man there who 
would tell me to like leave. He would always tell me to leave. And really, he's the one that gave me the most money, but it was more of just like talking. Like we just talked and I got very like, I know it sounds weird, but I saw him like the dad that I didn't have Mm -hmm. in a wrong, like in a wrong way. I guess I had like daddy issues, but he was so much older than me and um, he would just, like I would just tell him and like vent and then he would give me money and pay for my rent. And I was like, okay, this is, this is going well. And, um, my mom would always tell me like, be careful. And she had suspicions, but because I turned them down on her, she never brought them back up. Mm -hmm. And I made so much money that I was like, okay, well now I'm going to go to a concert. And I had been to concerts before, but when I went to concerts, I was living, like I was, a follower of Christ. I just didn't understand Christianity at that time, but I knew what was wrong. So the concerts that I'd been to like years before, like I had seen some stuff that like was just weird. Like when they throw up like signs, I'm like, that's not right. You know, but I'd just like brush it off or I'd hear lyrics and I'd be like, I'm not going to say that, you know? Yeah. Well, I decided to go to a concert and I brought my friend with me. It's a music festival. It was like a couple hours away. So we're driving there. And I was like, oh my gosh, like everything is coming into alignment. Like all the things I've manifested, like I have my own apartment. Um, I am financially stable. And I guess it was just the high. Like I had only been there for like a month and a half. And I was like, oh, everything is falling into place. And I was like smoking a lot and a lot and a lot of weed. And right before my concert, X, my plug actually reached out to me. And that was the first time I had talked to him in months. And um, I had filed for an annulment and we the annulment went through. So it was weird. Like he talked to me right before I left. So like around this time last year. And so I decided to go see him before the night before my concert. He like gave me, he wanted to rekindle things and, and work things out with me. And he liked to wear designer clothes. And I'm I'm not like that. So he ended up giving me like um, a jacket from a brand called Chrome Hearts and some Gucci shoes. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to wear this at my concert. Like <laughs> I'm so excited. But he had no idea what I was doing for a job and or none of that. So I go to the concert and it's a two day festival. I wanted to go see a specific person. And this is a concert. I've been to this man's concert before. Um, you want to say who it was or no? <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm like scared. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I am scared because I just, I, um, I went, I'll tell you the festival. I went to Dreamville. So I went to go see J. Cole. I had been to oh. J. Cole's concert. J. Cole was my first concert that I ever went to and I went with my first love and I was like, oh my gosh, like years later, like after all the, all the mess that I've made of my life, I'm going to go again. And deep down, like I still wasn't over my first love, but I knew that was out of the picture. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go to this concert and live my life. And the crazy thing is like, I had tried going to this festival two other times, but it fell through. Like, the first time my mom was like, you're not going alone. And the second time COVID. So then this time I'm like, well, 
I live on my own. I have my own money. Nobody's going to stop me and I'm going to go. And I convinced my friend to go with me. And um, like I said, I'm living a life full of sin. Like I'm in new age. I'm doing tarot. I'm um, all about the crystals and the healings and the oracle cards. And I'm living by myself. I like have no guidance and I'm just doing my own thing. And I'm working in the entertainment industry, doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. Well, I go to this concert. First day goes well. Um, but I was there to see J. Cole. And the second day comes around. And as soon as I come in, I just feel like weird. And I'm smoking weed. You know, like I have been high for such a long time that like it, it really wasn't anything to me. And the weird thing is that um, they make you wear these like wristbands and uh, I accidentally put it on the wrong hand. It was supposed to be on your right hand, but I ended up putting it on my left hand. And I was like, oh no, like, oh my goodness. I was so worried about it and it really wasn't even a big deal, but I'm bringing this up for a reason and I'll get back to that point. Okay. In a minute. But I go to this concert and I'm with my friend um, wearing all this designer clothes and um, I'm just waiting for him to come out on stage. And before he comes out on stage, there's like other people playing. So I came to that stage waiting and they had somebody else playing. And out of nowhere, like the music, it's not music that I listened to. It was like rap. And I only knew J. Cole really. Yeah. But somebody started singing. And it hurts me to even say this. So I don't think I'm going to say word for word what they said, but they said that. God is like Satan. They started saying that. And I was just like, I heard it. And I was like, I was like dancing. And then I heard them and they said it over and over again. And I just stopped. I was like, something about me doesn't even feel right. And the weird thing is like, I'm in the new age and the spiritual, like I'm not following Jesus, but something I was like, this is why would they be saying this? And so I like, remember, like, I just stopped, like I stood still and I was like, this is this is making me feel uncomfortable. I'm about to smoke a blood. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, let me try to numb myself that. out so I don't have to yeah. kill this. Yeah. yeah. So then um we that he got off stage and he's about to um J. Cole's about to come on stage and I get up there and um I notice a big energy shift. Like I just started feeling like tingly and I was, I couldn't stand up and I was like, I'm going to sit down. And for some reason, like, I just, I felt like I couldn't breathe. So I sat down and I told my friend, I was like, Hey, can you just get me up whenever he gets on stage? So whenever he gets on stage, he starts singing songs and I, I get back up, but I still like, I'm just feeling weird. And Right before he gets on stage, there's like advertisements for like the water. It's the free water that they're giving out and stuff like that. And um, I didn't see anything wrong with it. I was like, okay, like when is he coming on? So he starts singing music. And I'm like, oh, I know this. And I'm like getting all pumped up. And then during one of the songs, um, he says to put your hands in the air. So I get my phone out and I put my hand in the air. And as soon as I do, like I hit record, he says, put your hands in the air and everybody does. And as soon as I do, I feel like my hand 
like it felt like it broke or like I did something wrong mm-hmm. and I'm like getting chills right now as I'm speaking of it um so I remember I like immediately put my hand down and I just looked at my friend and she looked at me like what is wrong and I was like I'm not feeling good she's like what do you mean I was like I don't know like I just don't feel good like as soon as I put my hand up like like it's like you're praising them you know I was like something felt so wrong in me like I just felt like my hand like felt on fire I was like this is I was like I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing so I told her I was like can we back up and this is his concert this is his festival this is like the biggest show everybody wants to see him like he's he's the last event so we finally like try to back up some but nobody like we had gotten so up up to the stage that it's like it looks like a sea of people I'm like how am I going to get out of here and I remember like it was like a flip of the switch I was like I'm not enjoying this concert like I came to see him but something inside me feels so wrong so then um I look at my friend and I'm just like I don't feel good like are you going to get mad at me if I tell you to leave if it's for us to go and she's like no um but she like made it seem like she wanted to stay so I was like well how about let's go back a little bit so where I'm not clustered around people maybe I just feel claustrophobic so we go back and I'm finally like trying like push my way through people and I literally feel like I'm suffocating and I'm just like trying to move through people and they just they're like brick walls like these people will not move Mm. and I'm like oh my gosh so when I finally got to like a space where I had people around me he brings up someone. Um, he brings up, I don't know if you've ever been to a concert, but they'll usually have like small people, like little starters, like okay. that they like introduce like, Hey, like this is, yeah. so he brought, he brought up somebody and on him, he had like his hair, he had like two buns. Like it kind of looked like horns now that I look back on it. But, um, he brings out these people and basically he's like introducing him. So the way that I see this now is like he's initiating them into whatever this is going on. I'm looking and I'm feeling off and he starts like just rapping so hard, but it doesn't look like his mouth is moving and he falls on his knees. And I'm like, oh my gosh, am I like witnessing like a a possession or something? Like his eyes didn't even look right to me. but. I like got up and I looked at my friend and I said, we need to leave now, this very instant. We have to leave now. And all I could hear, like my friend didn't see what I saw. Like, I don't know what was going on. You were seeing the spirit. You were feeling in the spirit. Like God took the, the shackles off of your, the scales off of your eyes. Oh, I'm getting like so much chills. Yeah, me too. (laughs) But yes. So I saw that and I remember like, I like screamed and I said, we need to leave now. And as soon as I turned around, I looked at one person in the face and they like their pupils looked black. Like it looked like he was like being hypnotized mm. to a sick. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And I was like, we need to leave. I, I grabbed her by the hand and I was like, we need to go. Wow. And in this festival, they had this huge Ferris wheel that was behind everybody. So it's like hitting the back of our heads. And I look at the Ferris wheel and tell me why it's a hypnotic sign. Like it's 
the white and the black. And I was like, oh my gosh. And as soon as I look at it, the music stops. And I hear the main performer saying, why are y'all leaving? Turn around. If you're a real supporter, you're not going to leave. Turn around. And I, I like remember closing my, my ears and I was like, we need to get out. Like, I don't want to hear this. And I saw a lot of people running towards the exit. So I was like asking, I was like, I need to ask someone. I was like, I feel like I'm delusional. I was, so I asked the person beside me, I was like, are you okay? Like, did you guys see that? Did you feel that? And everyone's looking at me like I'm absolutely insane. Really? I wonder why they were leaving though. Like if they're leaving. Yeah. It was like a rush of people leaving. And I just, I remember I was like, something's wrong. Something is wrong. Like all the hair stood up on my skin and I'm wearing this clothes. This is the weird part. I'm wearing this designer clothes that I don't want to say that this man ruined my life, but ever since I got with him, my life went completely downhill. I did choices and I made choices that I should have never done. And I'm wearing this clothes and then on the sides, there's crosses everywhere and the brand is called Chrome Heart. So think about it, like a hardened black heart. And the shoes that I'm wearing are Gucci, but they have a mouth on them and the tongue of a serpent. So I just, I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe when I raised my hand, like those crosses were upside down. Maybe that was why my hand felt so bad. Oh my God. I knew that I witnessed some dark spiritual things. Yeah. And I ran, but it was so hard to leave that concert. Like I, I felt like it was so hard. And for the first time I heard like a voice inside of me that I was like, I'm just going to listen to this. Like it was a fire flight. And I believe that it was God's voice a hundred percent now. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed the, I grabbed hold of my friend and I see that it's, it's like hard to get out. And I tell her, I was like, you need to take me to the exit now. And then out of nowhere, I start like saying the Lord is my shepherd And I'm just like, what? So I'm just like, it came to me and I was like, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh And I kept saying it over and over and over again. (sighs) And I look at my friend and I was like, I'm so sorry that I asked you to come to this concert, but I need you to say this with me so we can get out. And I told her, I was like, say with me right now, the Lord is my shepherd. And she looks at me and confused and she says it. And then she's like, but I don't believe in God like you, like you do. And I was just like, just trust me. I was like, trust me, you just, just say this. If you want to be honest, I feel like that concert, I willingly stepped into hell and I feel like God gave me, God took off the scales of my eyes and showed me that this is what hell could be like if I don't stop, if I don't turn around and if I don't change my life. He gave me the most rudest, but most neatest awakening that I ever needed. gonna take a quick second here to tell you about raised and redeemed merch i somehow end up in my bright pink raised and redeemed crew neck nearly every day because it's so comfy and i love to tell the world that i have been raised and redeemed in jesus's name and wearing something that says that is a great conversation starter not only do we have crew necks but we also have t-shirts hoodies cropped hoodies mugs stickers socks and more You can either follow the link titled Raised and Redeemed Merch in the comment section of wherever you're listening, click the link in any of my social media bios, 
or go to Raised and Redeemed, and that's spelled out, raisedandredeemed.creatorslashspring.com to order yours and support the show today. I get something in my spirit and it tells me to take off my shoes and take off my jacket. And I'm just like, what the heck? And I'm like literally getting chills right now. So I immediately took it off and I threw it on the ground and I took those shoes off and I threw it on the ground. My friend was trying to pick it up and I told her, I was like, you leave that there. I was like, do not pick that up. I was like, I don't want it. And then, so I hear people around me, like this, we're like in the valley. It's crazy because it's an outside concert and like you're in a valley. And so like, I'm like climbing like this hill trying to leave. I was like, oh my gosh, like, where's the exit at? I was like, why is it so hard to leave? And um, I had a blanket around me. I hear like people talking about me, like what's going on with her? Because I'm like, I keep saying louder. I'm like, the Lord is my shepherd and I'm taking this clothes off. And people are looking at me like I'm absolutely insane. And then um, my friend is like asking me like, what did you take? I was like, I didn't take anything. And then I look up. Oh, this is the scary part. This is the part that like I get scared every time I say it. But I look up and to the left of me, like ahead, there's a person. And out of nowhere, this person just like turns their head. And it, I describe it like an owl, like how an owl will turn their head. This person looked at me. And this person only had one eye. Ah, I can't, I can't describe the feeling that I felt but the second that he looked at me I felt like I looked a demon or even Satan in his face because I about passed out like I remember like I just felt weak like I couldn't move I stopped and I just like felt like I was about to pass out all the hairs in my body stood up it was the I've never felt anything like this and I remember like I was just trying to say the Lord is my shepherd and I couldn't say it. I couldn't. So I was about to fall out and this all happened. Think about it like within like five seconds. Yeah. But I was able to, to say it, but it sounded like I couldn't even, it didn't even sound like my voice. Like I was like, like I was falling and I just said, the Lord is my shepherd. And as soon as I finished it saying that I got up. I got up and like all the strength got on me and I, um, I had a blunt and my purse and money. And I was, I heard in my head, if you want to follow me, leave those things here. I threw money and I threw my blunt on the floor. I didn't care. And then for some reason I decided to get the blanket and I covered my head. I was like, I'm going to bail, which I didn't know that's, that's what that was at that time. Like, I just covered my head. I was like, I, after seeing that man, like, I don't know what it feels like to be possessed, but I just feel like that dark energy, like he like threw something at me that tried to consume me. But because I stood my ground as hard as it was, but I said, God, it just went away because I'm telling you, like, it felt like I was about to fall and shake. Like I, it was scary. And I covered my head and I told my friend, I was like, you need to get me out of here. And that immediate moment, um, I called my mom. 
Mm-hmm. I called my mom and I called my sister and we had a three-way call. And I was so scared. And I told my friend to try to guide me to the exit. But right at the exit, like I, I didn't want to unveil my head. So I would just see the floor. But I remember like calling my mom and I told her, I was like, I just need you to pray for me right now. I was like, pray. And I was like, and I need you to talk to me in Spanish. I don't know why, but I just, I, I was, I told her, I was like, look, I'm at a concert right now and something is going really bad. Something's going very bad. And I need you to pray for me. And I need you to, to pray the prayer that my grandma used to pray for me. And she's like, what are you talking about? She was I was like, the prayer. And she's so confused right now. And she even started crying. And she told me, she's like, Casey, I told you not to go. And I was like, I know, mom. I was like, I'll explain later. I was like, I just need you to keep praying. And I wanted her to talk to me in Spanish because at that moment, like all the new age BS kind of just like left me. And I remembered that Satan will present himself as, as people that you may know. Like I was questioning everything and I was like, but I know my mom's voice. So if she talks to me in Spanish, it can't like, it can't be. It can't be undone. Like, I know it's her. So then I'm like leaving and we parked 30 minutes away by foot from the concert. So I was like, I was so scared. I was like, I'm not walking back there. And my friend was upset with me and I didn't even trust her at this point. I was like, she told me she didn't believe in God. I was like, I don't, I can't trust this. I don't know what's going on. You're barefoot. You got, you got no literally blanket. <laughs> I'm, I'm barefoot. I'm, no money. <laughs> no money. Nothing. No and um, nothing. So I was like, oh my gosh. And my friend thought that I like took something. So then I started thinking, I was like, how can I get out of here the fastest? Because I was like, I don't feel comfortable um, leaving. I don't feel comfortable going by foot. And at the entrance, like right when we crossed the entrance, there was people trying to stop us. There was people trying to be like, hey, buy this or stay longer. And the weird thing is that they all had these hats that had like a P on it, which like all these things may not mean anything now, but looking back on it, I just feel like it was so much symbolism in the concert that I just didn't see it at the moment. My friend was like, we're going to have to go walk back to the car. And I just didn't trust her. And keep in mind, I'm like walking around with a blanket on my head, like hysterical. And I hear people saying she saw something like I just everything just feels so loud, but so silent at the same time. And so my friend would tell me to turn left and I would go right. I was like, I'm not following you. And so I like almost got ran over by a car. And so she my friend got mad at me and she's like, you need to sit down. And so I sat down and I told her, I was like, um, my, my mom was on the phone and my sister was on the phone and my friend told my parents that she thought I took something. So then I had a light bulb moment. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with that because I feel like these people don't want me to leave the concert. And if they know I saw something, they're going to hurt me. Like I thought I was going to die. I thought I was having like a near death experience. So I saw some cops. I heard some cops and I saw the lights around them and I told them that I needed an ambulance. So my mom was hearing that and um, she was talking to my sister. She was like, they gave her something and she's three hours away. And then I said in Spanish, I was like, 
I will explain later. I was like, this is not what's going on. And I was saying this in Spanish so that people wouldn't hear me. And then um, I got something again, like I, I have, I felt like God was talking to me and I just felt it in the spirit. So then he told me to ask for a female officer. And basically the officers kept asking me to take this blanket off my head. And I told them, no, I was like, I'm not looking at anybody, especially after the man that I had just saw and that yeah. feeling that I got. So I was like, no. Um, and so I was like, I want a female officer right now. And they started laughing at me and they started making fun of me. And I was praying with my mom and they even started like talking in a female voice, like, like mocking me. The and then my sisters. Yeah. And then my sister, it came, my sister said something, if I'm not wrong. And she was like, they mocked Jesus. Like, don't listen to them. Like, she was like, keep praying. She's like, keep praying. And then finally, like a female officer came and I felt like it was, this was like, go with her. So keep in mind, um, my family doesn't know anything about my lifestyle. They think I work at Amazon. (laughs) Yeah. So I go into the ambulance and my friend can't come with me and we came in my car. So she had to walk by herself for 30 minutes to find the car. And after that, she was really mad at me and I got escorted to the ambulance and she had to come pick me up. Well, on the way to the ambulance, um, I wouldn't take the, um, anything off my head. I'm sitting there with this lady and she's talking to me. She's trying to calm me down and she's asking me if I took something. And I told her, I was like, look, I was like, I know I said that, but I didn't take anything. I was like, I just smoked weed. And at this point, I was sober. (laughs) At this point, everything that I experienced sobered me up so quickly that I was just like, this is not, (laughs) like, this is not a high. This is, this is, I know what I saw. Like, can we get on to the main material here? (laughs) Yeah. So then I told, I wouldn't even talk to this lady. So I was talking to my sister in Spanish and I'd have her say everything to this woman I was like so she wanted my name and all this stuff and I didn't want to give it to her so I finally told my sister I was like I'm gonna tell you what to say and you say it to her so then my sister starts spelling out my name my first and last name and she starts like saying like a for apple and and c for this and she starts using words that start with letters that she didn't realize that all those words that she said meant something. Mm. She like, she said, Apple, she said other words and other letters. And some of the words that she said, like all meant something to me. She said a name of the man that I had met at the club. She said names of coworkers. Like I was getting chills and I was like, this is God telling me like, these are all the things that I'm doing that I need to stop. Oh my goodness. And then I finally, like, I had like an, like a, like a moment. I had my eyes closed and I had my head covered this entire time. And I was like shaking and out of nowhere, like my eyes are closed and I get like a white light in my, like in my face, but it's nobody's in my face. And I feel like it's God. And I say something that sounds weird, but it's God. Like God spoke through me and like, I said it out loud and he said like, I'm God and I have you under my wings. And I didn't understand that. I was like, why did that just come out of my mouth? And then after I did, after I, I like opened my eyes and I took off the, um, the blanket that I had over my head and I told the lady, I was like, this is what happened. 
And I just explained everything that happened. I told them what I saw. I was like, I don't know if you believe in God or not, but I was like, this is what I saw. I was like, those concerts, I was like, are evil. I was like, I just witnessed Satan. Like I said a whole bunch of things. And my mom and my sister and this random EMS lady is hearing this and they're all like, what is going on? Yeah. And my mom's like crying and praying. And I get to the, um, I get to the ambulance. I mean, I get to the hospital and they like, put a whole bunch of cords in me and stuff and they're like they're trying to see if I'm on something and I'm telling them I'm like I'm not I'm not and um I finally like they left me in the room alone so like I got up and I left I was like I was like I need to get out of here yeah and I saw other people from the concert there too I saw someone wearing a concert shirt so I came up to them and I asked them I was like hey did you guys see or experience anything weird and she was crying when I came up to her. But then when she looked at me, looked at me and I asked her, her whole demeanor changed. And like, it looked like one of those guys that I saw that were like standing at the concert, like their eyes kind of looked black and like soulless. And I was just, I just got up and I was like, I'm not talking to you either. And I like got out the door and my friend came to pick me up and I like spilled all the tea. And I was like, this is what I saw. I was like, you're not going to believe me. And she didn't believe me. And she was like, I think uh, she told me she didn't want to be my friend anymore. And that she thought that um, I was delusional and I wanted to go home, um, but I couldn't go home. And that night I didn't sleep at all. I stayed up and she had actually brought back the shoes that I told her to leave. So I was like, I don't want these. And um, the next morning we like didn't talk to each other. And like I prayed all night and I remember not sleeping and we went back home and I went back home and I stopped at a spiritual store. After all of this, I was like, maybe I need crystals. Like, I don't know. I went and I talked to somebody there and I told her my experience. And I told her, like, I was like rebuking all these things. And she told me, she was like, you have to realize the spiritual world is not just light. She's like, just how there's goodness, there's darkness. And I remember I had bought a whole bunch of stuff. And I went back to my plug's house and I told him everything that happened. And I was like, we shouldn't see each other anymore. And I like, remember I like laid with crystals and it didn't help. Yeah. It didn't help because that same night I went to my sister's house, who I was on the phone with and I opened up the Bible and I read her a verse. And the weird thing is when all that experience at the concert, everything that I had, um, I could only say the Lord is my shepherd. And I didn't even know what verse that came from. So I found it and it's called it's Psalm 23. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He make me lie down in green pastures and he lead me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. And I'm like, that had everything to do with what I just went through. Because the concert was at a park that was called like a valley. It had, and I was in the valley i was in the presence of the enemies i was in the shadow of the of the darkness and he took me out and my 
sister was just like, I was having anxiety and um, we still made a wrong choice that day. And she was like, well, maybe if we smoke this blunt, like we'll feel better. So I smoke and I'm like feeling like all kinds of nauseous. And I'm like, look guys, like I've been living a wrong life. And I was telling him, I was like, I've been doing so many bad things. Like you have no idea. I was like, but I'm never going back. I was like, I don't want to smoke anymore. And then I started remembering all these signs, like the performer is all subliminal things. Like he had a one and a five on his shirt. And I was like big into numerology. I was like, you add that together. That's a six. Like all the people, they all had sixes on their heads and the water that they were promoting had an upside down cross on it. Like things that like I didn't even notice, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, I'm seeing all these things. Yeah. Well, we're smoking and I'm just, I'm not feeling good. And then I feel a bad presence. And I tell my sister, I was like, there's something wrong in here. And, um, I like spazzed out completely. And I was like, oh my, like we were watching a movie and it said something about putting your hands in the air at a concert. And I just, it just brought me back down. Cause it was, this was the next day. And, um, I like started freaking out and she called the ambulance and I was like back again in the ambulance. And they like, like they came to get me and I was like, don't talk to them. I was like, we need to pray. Like, you don't understand what's going on. And I felt like whatever that man looked at me was like following me, like some spirit was still trying to, to attack me. And I started praying and believe it or not, like the doors of her house started like opening and closing. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And I remember like, I started praying and like my mouth made this weird noise. And I feel like it was whatever spirit followed me left my body. Like I felt like it made like a snake noise. Like I was like, oh my gosh, they took me out to the ambulance and took me to a mental place. I was there for two days and I remember just sleeping and sleeping and sleeping. And I felt bad because I was like, my sister probably thinks I'm crazy, but she doesn't understand what I saw. But whatever followed me that night left. And I remember I had like scratches on my body and and weird things. My mom's pastor came to visit me while I was in the hospital. And I explained everything that I saw to him. And they prayed for me over and over. They came and saw me each day that I was in the hospital. And after the third day, um, I left. And they prayed over me so much. And I explained everything. And I finally shared my story. And I finally told my mom and my family everything that I had been doing. And um, they just cried. And they just held me. And they were like, it's okay. Like, we got you. My life completely changed after that. I stopped smoking. And the thing is, like, I had tried smoking, but stopped smoking before, and I couldn't do it on my own. I never went back to the club. I never looked back. I quit the new age. All those crystals that I bought immediately after the concert, I threw them out. But even though I tried, the enemy was mad, and I experienced so much spiritual warfare. I got so sick. Uh, I lost so much weight. I lost like almost 20 pounds. Um, I looked disgusting. Um, I remember like, I was just so mad if I look at myself in the mirror, because I had bruised bruises everywhere from the IVs. And I would remember the things that I used to do, um, or the work environment. And I would just be like, I, how could someone like me be saved from God? Mm. Um, and I just started crying. Like I had a, a really hard time looking at myself and, um, 
my pastor would come and do weekly Bible studies with me. Um, I ended up moving back in with my mom, not even like much after I said, screw that apartment. And I've been living with my mom since. But another crazy thing that I want to share real quickly is that I got rid of all of those things, all the spiritual stuff that I had. And I had an Oracle deck that literally had a pentagram on it. (laughs) And like, I didn't even realize these things were so bad. But I threw everything away. I burnt a lot of things. And tell me why the day that the trash came, they took everything. But there was one card with the pentagram that stayed there. And I got so mad because I was like, he, the devil is trying. Like the yeah. devil does not want to, to leave. So I remember like I grabbed a, a bag. I have dogs and I grabbed a poopy bag and I like put that card in there and I threw it and I was like, this is like, you are not welcome here. I was like, this house serves the Lord and I have changed ever since then. This happened exactly a year ago uh, today. Um, Wow. A year ago today. The concert was like April 1st, but a year ago today I was, I was making those bad choices and and leaving, um, getting ready to go to something that I thought was well worth it. And ended up being the scariest but most humbling night of my life because it showed me that that I was that one sheep that <laughs> went astray and God left and God came and fought for me and saved me. And um, my life has completely changed. Um, I do not do those things that I used to do. I don't define myself as that person. I don't even know that person. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't smoke. I will be honest. I tried smoking one time afterwards and it just, it it was not, I just realized I was like, this is not me. This is not who I am. Sin has no power. Like those sins have no power over me. I still struggle with other things, but thank you for sharing that. Honestly, and sanctification is a journey. Um, Sometimes it takes, you know, after you come into Christ, you know, dabbling with those things again to realize, wait, like this, this was empty then it's still empty now. I know I went through that as well. Um, I'm just so inspired. I, I honestly, I just don't even have words. I, I really rode that uh, experience with you. I could just feel the whole thing. I, I know the listeners felt that too. Um, and I'm just, yeah, I'm just in awe at God and just the way that He showed up for you and um, what He allowed you to see. And I'm just really grateful that um, that you would share it here today. And I'm excited for you to continue to be encouraged and empowered to keep sharing that because that that's amazing. And that's it's people need to know these things. Yeah. People need to know these things about the concerts. Like, yes, the new age is being the new age is being very revealed. Like we realize there's a lot of new age to Jesus testimonies that we're seeing out here. Mm-hmm. People are seeing, you know, the wickedness, the the rotten fruits of that. Yeah. But it's also serious, like these these concerts. I remember things that I went to where it did. It looked like a ritual, um, exactly how you explained it. Between like the the visuals that they put behind the the performer on the stage, yes, does it, it looks like they're trying to to hypnotize you. And yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot of that stuff in the rave scene. I remember. But besides for that, all the other concerts I went to, it was before I um. I used to, I don't remember them. I'll just say I don't remember. Yeah. Them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and the crazy thing is like, you know, the Bible says that the power of the tongue, like it can be life or death. And sometimes I feel like 
I had a hard time. I still have a hard time listening to secular music and um, especially rap. I, I have a hard time listening to rap, but like, you know, sometimes songs sound so catchy, but we don't even know what we're saying and we have to be careful. And um, even like other experience, like I've seen on TikTok, like other people have had some bad experiences with concerts. And so that's why I kind of felt called to share this because I was like, yeah. I'm not the only one. And my many people may have not experienced it how I did, but I know that God saved me that day. Mm-hmm. And I have for a long time resented who I was. Um, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't into drugs for a long time, but two years of my life, I was heavily dependent on drugs. And for two months I worked in the entertainment industry and, um, God has broken the bondage on abusive relationships. God has broken the bondage on so many things. I have a good relationship with my father now. We've forgiven him. I don't smoke. I've changed my life. I am sober. Um, I'm pursuing my dreams. I have a relationship with God. I'm not just following religion, but I'm actually trying to pursue him. He has rewritten and changed my story. And I used to be so resentful when I would think like, that's who I used to be. Or the enemy will tell me you're still that person. Like I used to be worried, like, can I find love moving on forward? Will someone want to love me and accept me and marry me? If I tell them, Oh, well, I've had an annulment, but I used to be married and I used to be into the new age. And I used to work as an adulterer, a fornicator. Like I was a bad person, but God has rewritten my story. And my mom told me one time that she was like, I remember apologizing to her because I was like, you're so good to me. You are so nice to me. Like you embody and you show me God's love. And I was like, I'm so sorry that I made you suffer. Um, And she told me that she would do it all over again. (laughs) If it meant I would be the person that I am today. She said the person that when she sees me, she's like, she doesn't even recognize she doesn't even acknowledge that old person she's like that person is gone and that's dead and i'm a new creation in christ and i hope that my testimony can can show other people that like this is a scary world we live in but the battle is not between us it's between god and satan and we already know how it comes out to be and it doesn't matter how far gone you think you are it's never too late to turn your life to christ and and show him and show others that God is real and that God changes and moves people each and every day. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, I'd love to have you leave a review, share it with a friend, and even connect with me on other platforms. It's at Michaela Nikolenko on Instagram and TikTok. And we also have an at Raised and Redeemed Instagram account too. I look forward to connecting with you there. Until next time, stay well and God bless you.